to the Sal Basima era Spectacular Spider-Man podcast. We cover every issue Sal Basima worked on alongside Jerry Conway and JMD Matatus eventually. Uh, but currently, Jerry Conway is the writer on these issues of Spectacular Spider-Man. But this is a multi-part episode because we're crossing over with other Spider titles, including Inferno, which is run rampant through all the Marvel, well, most of the Marvel titles, and uh, just happens to run into Amazing Spider-Man, which is the first issue of Amazing Spider-Man we'll be covering on this podcast. There will be others, but I definitely wanted to include this ep- this issue because Todd McFarlane's artwork is freaking amazing throughout it. Freaking amazing. Tell him that this was one of my favorite issues that he drew when he came on Radio R. But Drew has the plot synopsis for Amazing Spider-Man number 312, Goblin War. I do. And you know what's the funny thing? I, I you know, I remember last time when we read this that Kelly did such a good job reading the synopsis, and then you were like, Oh, hey, like Drew, why don't you read the synopsis? I was like, You can't put that pressure on me. You know, she did such a good job, and she's so much prettier than I am. Like, you can't do this to me, Chris. And then I was like, oh god, where did she find these synopsis? I said synopsis. She is, synopsis. Very, she is very geeky and very beautiful, yes. Yeah, exactly. It was just like okay, so. For Amazing Spider-Man 312, uh, the synopsis is the Green Goblin returned. To save his family, he must fight the Hobgoblin. To make matters worse, Spidey is caught in the middle. And to complicate things even more, the events of Inferno could push Harry Osborn beyond the brink of insanity. And this and more. And they fight, and they fight, and they fight, and fight, and fight. <laughs> like, it's oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, but that, that wasn't in the synopsis, but yes, that too. Mm-hmm. They, they, they fighty uh, fighty. <laughs> so the, uh, uh, when was it published, Drew? Uh, that was published. And who were the credits? The, oh, yes. It was published February uh, 1989. Uh, the writer was uh, David, I'm, I'm, I hope I don't say this wrong, uh, Michelini? Michelini. 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 Yeah, that, right there. Michelini. Michelini. Yep. Yeah, that guy. And um, uh, penciled and inked by Todd McFarlane. And you've got uh, Bob Sharon, Rick, Rick Parker, the colorist and letterer. Uh, the editor is Jim Salsgrup. And, of course, the editor-in-chief is Tom DeFalco. Tom DeFalco ran rampant over Marvel after Jim Shooter left. And he basically ran Marvel with an iron fist, as they uh-huh. said, through the early 90s up until, well, stuff, stuff we're never going to cover on this podcast, so I don't want to get into it. So. <laughs> yep, <laughs> we only have so much time. First off, the absolute first page of Harry Osborne, who is just sweating profusely because he is like feverish, probably sweating mm-hmm. A, because not only is he uh, panicking, but B, it's apparently like 100 degrees in New York because of what's happening over in the Xbox. This mm-hmm. is what happens when you open up a, uh, a Hellgate in the middle of New York. It's going to be sweltering. And every single uh, Marvel title, everyone is constantly sweating through it during Inferno. Absolutely. And it's also like the thing that I love is that just oh so conveniently did he have his goblin costume in the attic. You know, God forbid, like, it's just like, yeah, that's the best place to hide this heirloom that could completely expose my family. And I just hide in the attic along with the Christmas presents and the Halloween. And he sees it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm just going to, honey, I'm just going to go out for a bit. I'm like, Grab the old goblin glider, wear my dad's old suit. I'm going to go fight this creature that just, you know, terrorized our family because I don't feel like I'm a man. So I got to put this on to be a man. I'm like, dude, just go to the gym, do some push ups. God. Uh, Liz has no idea Harry has become the green goblin again. Now, the other thing is, is that the last time we saw Harry as the goblin, he had snapped and went after Bart something another who was a psychologist. Mm-hmm 
who hypnotized Harry into revealing all of his daddy's dirty little secrets and became the third Green Goblin. And yeah, Harry I believe that his, his name is Bart Hamilton. Yes. And yes. we never saw what happened to the Goblin costume, so why does Harry have it in the attic of his building, of his house in, I believe this is Soho? I don't know. It's not really revealed. And I do believe this is Soho because at some point, Peter and Mary Jane, after they're living with um, Aunt May, which I thought they were at this point, they're not. They're still living mm. in their luxury penthouse, um, according to this issue. Uh, they actually move in above or below uh, Liz and Harry because that complicates the relationship even more when Harry snaps again and becomes bad goblin later on. But I digress. Indeed. And what I also love is is if you just scroll like ahead a little bit, like one of my favorite panels was actually it's a little further. Uh, like it's just Harry um, on the glider for the first time. It's like, I, I haven't practiced this in ages. Like, and it just, be, I don't know if it's just the way Todd drew it, but it looks so cool. Like I've never once thought, Hey, I've really wanted to rob a, ride a goblin glider, but I just see that. And it's just great. And, you know, then that we immediately go into um, Hobgoblin. He's at Os Osborne Industries. He's looking for the formula because he's like, listen, I lost both Spidey and, and Harry. I need to bulk up. Where's this thing? He got, he, he got tricked. And then in comes the web slinger and Harry. And it's just, it's extra dupe. And it's just, it's so funny. It's really cool to see, um, and this is the only time until the 90s that Todd will draw Hobgoblin until that famous two issues of uh, Adjective-less Spider-Man, which guest starred Ghost Rider, where we see mm -hmm. Hobby his demonic form. But uh, this is definitely a great little precursor to what Todd will do in a couple of years later uh, for the Goblin. And even as Jason Philip Mackendale, that's who this Hobgoblin is, looks mm -hmm. uh, still human, his costume is still very you know, slightly horrific Halloween-ish, you know, with the blue yeah. and the oranges and he's got the tattered costume and stuff like that. I mean, it's just the way Todd really draws. I mean, he's got goblin sharp teeth and he's got red eyes and he's not even a demon yet, which could really confuse people trying to read these in an order being like, but he looks like a demon to this issue. I'm like, no, he's not a demon yet. <laughs> I think the other thing, what I like is that you can definitely see a lot of Todd style. Like I, I, the way he drew Hobgoblin, especially certain poses, being a Spawn fan, I just was got like the weirdest sense of deja vu. Um, but what one thing I really do love about Todd, you know, whatever you want to say, there you go. See, you know, <laughs> flying around in his little glider, his little jack-o'-lanterns flying everywhere. Is the best thing about, about Todd is that even though his style could be, some people say, dated or whatnot, he really knew how to choreograph action so well. Like just four panels, so much happens on this one page. And it's so crazy. And then he sets up like like the story sets up so many plot points that they'll follow, like that 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 they will continue in a front. I read a little ahead, so I know this. You know, you have Mary Jane's at a shoot. Oh, her jewelry starts to try to attack her. Oh, Kurt Connors is 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 going back to the lizard, even though he doesn't want to. Uh, it's just. The pacing is here is just so great. It, no wonder it's such a, a great book. It, the energy is so palpable. So, Can you believe Mary Jane is supposed to be approximately the same age as Peter, 20 or 21? And the way Todd McFarlane draws her, it makes her look much older. Not that that's bad, but no. it, he draws her to make her look like she's in her 30s, not 20 or 21. 
Yeah, it's just uh, it was just so crazy. But you know, and I and I've met both the people who worked on this book, David and Todd. They're both super great people. You know, it's just just it's just to go back to the work. It just it's it. You feel like it's worth the legend. And this was a great little addition to Inferno. I mean, I'm not saying that that Jerry Conway and what uh, your beloved Sal were doing uh, isn't top notch. I mean, I remember one of those issues you're dealing with. Uh, they're they're fighting the bugle off from the Inferno hordes, and it's just crazy, right? Um, you know, in this one, I just feel like Chris, and I don't know because you're you're, you're a Spider Man fan. I just feel like this theme in Inferno was just unlikely alliances. I mean. One book he's fighting with J. Jonah Jameson along this. This time he's teaming up with Harry against Hobgoblin. Like, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, he uh, also will team up with the Lizard, kind of, sort of, in the next issue. Mm-hmm. We're not going to really cover that because that's not part of this giant Hobgoblin, Green Goblin yeah. storyline. But it right, will be right. in the next episode, just really briefly. Uh, mm-hmm. What's also really funny is that he talks about... Um, I don't remember if it's here in the next one we're about to cover in Spectacular, but he's like, oh, and like yesterday I fought Mysterio. And it's like, oh yeah, there were also four other issues of Spider-Man's continuity that happened. But yeah, you fight, you fought Mysterio, the entire Oscorp chemical plant, the Hobgoblin, and the Green Goblin, all of this past 24 hours. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's so funny how comics do this passage of time. Like what we read in a month is like, oh, that was a week. And I'm like, that's a week. I'm exhausted just reading right. your adventures. And, and the biggest, the biggest complaint of that has always come up was when uh, jumping ahead a little bit. And we will talk about this in more detail when Zach comes on the podcast. The clone mm. saga, when Ben Riley returns, is always referenced as like five years ago, I had the problem with the clones. And that happened in 1975, and the book that they're talking about it in was in 1994. So almost mm. 20 years later, they're talking about something that happened five years ago. I've been on the road, the clone, a fake, mm. a copy, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah. that, that, again, that's a that's a whole – you want right. to talk about the and go listen to Zach's entire podcast. He covered every <laughs> goddamn issue of it for years and finally right. just so he'll be on the podcast with us but yes this also sets up a little bit with the uh the lizard and we see the uh the the the, the demons like so horrific looking they look like something out of like the real ghostbuster cartoon spewing mm-hmm. out of the sewer the hot dog the hot dog cart like blowing up and then the lizard like creeping his way around connor's lab yeah it's it, it's just crazy but like, again, my feelings about what I've read of Inferno so far, like, I really enjoyed the tie-ins. Like, I felt they really caught a, such a good uh, an angle for this. And with Spider-Man, you know, he, he's always, at that time, he was always just, he's one of New York's heroes. And he just kind of just web slings into situations and is just like, okay, I'm just going to kind of wing everything I do. Right. He's, one of the be- he's one of the best improvising uh, superheroes Marvel's ever had. So... You know, so yeah, <laughs> but great issue. Absolutely, um, weird. Um, the uh, the cover is something I absolutely adore, where it says, "Not an illusion." It finally happens: Green Goblin versus the Hobgoblin. Which, yes, the Green Goblin had pretty much been out of action since uh, the Bart Hamilton Goblin storyline. So mm-hmm. this was the first time ever the Hobgoblin, the second one, would fight the second Green Goblin, and that makes sense considering they are the second of their original counterparts. Now. Uh, Roderick Kingsley would actually fight Norman Osborn in a three-part storyline later on. Um, mm-hmm. 
later down the line. In fact, actually towards the end of the spectacular uh, run in comics uh, called mm-hmm. The Cowboy War, and it ran for three issues, crossing over with uh, Amazing. Yeah, and it again, again. Uh, and, there's uh, also a great moment where, by the way, someone points out, "Is that the Green Goblin?" It must be, but he's so well dressed because Norman grabbed a goblin mask and threw it on his face because he had just got done <laughs> missing the entire world that he couldn't possibly have been the Green Goblin and had to get away. And he's still wearing his Norman Osborn, you know, three piece Armani suit, but he had to hide his identity. <laughs> Yeah, it was just one of those things in comics. It was just like, really? But then also, again, we're have, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the direct edition in the lower left-hand corner has the um, always had art by Todd McFarlane, little tiny pieces of art. If it was a barcode, you knew it was the newsstand edition, the little mm-hmm. art piece. Todd drew one of those for every issue he did of Amazing. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's great. The little details. So yeah, that was great. The one that you just referenced, which again, connects to the event's of, of amazing it was spectacular no pun intended <laughs> um, yeah and and do you know what the cover also says above amazing spider-man no okay so this was like a running gag on all the spider-man titles that they would always put the marvel's non-mutant superhero the number one non-mutant superhero because x-men titles were just selling like hotcakes at this time yeah no pun intended to inferno but i mean x-men titles were freaking selling like crazy i mean mm-hmm comic book industry wishes today they had x-men sales <laughs> oh yeah i mean they're not the to my knowledge no one's hitting a guinness world record for four million issues sold you know right yet and by the but, way that one single goddamn issue of uncanny x-men one single goddamn issue of x-factor of new mutants not multiple covers i just got done downloading an app to start cataloging every one of my comic books and let me oh, fucking no. tell you amazing spider-man number one the most recent amazing spider-man number one the one that nick spencer is mm-hmm. currently doing had approximately right. according to this app 65 different variant covers oh wow i i, I can't like I why don't. thank you and yes I a lot like... of them are store exclusives and that is totally fine but still mm. Yeah, well, they wanted like, to relive they, the uh, the comic boon of the '90s, you know, with the gold yeah, foils. Boom! And... I killed the fucking industry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, I listen. I felt the same way when they did that. I think it's for DK three. Yes. They're, yeah, yeah. They did the same thing. They had all these variants, and don't get me wrong, a lot of them were gorgeous. But I was like, I don't really need this. Right. Like you know, it's just like again, don't get me wrong. Like, every once in a while, I come across a variant. I'm like, wow, that's really awesome. You know, or or something like that. But like when it's like, oh, here's like three or five. I was like, are people really like you feel bad because it's like because, you know, someone drew that. Someone put their hard work into it. And you know, a lot of the times they're gorgeous, like yeah. especially if I it's mean, like I, someone. I know, like, yeah. I, I'm not innocent either. To Vlada for Kickstarter had 10 variants. I mean, th- sorry, nine variants in the main cover. And now <laughs> I have the main cover and four variants. So I'm not I am not innocent in this either. But you didn't do 65 no. variants. And by the way, I wiped out all the variants. Those Kickstarter variants, you can't get them anymore. I got people asking me for them, and I'm just like, no. I have to stay by, stand by my word. Morals. Morals. Yeah, morals uh, and, and uh, promises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, also, there's yeah, probably a limited print run you have to do for each one, right? 
uh, no, nah, we didn't do that. We we thought about doing that, but no, no just, I mean, like if if you were to over once the Kickstarter is over and a couple months afterwards, we're not going to print them anymore. We didn't want to do like, oh, this is you have issue sixty five of five hundred print copies of Tim Vigil's yep. covering. Well, yeah. no, I meant like if somebody wanted a one of the out of print special covers, you'd have to print so many in order to get it printed, right? I mean, the printer's no. not printer's not going to just print one, right? Um, printer will do whatever I give them money for. It's true. Yeah. Um, however, I try not to just print one copy of a cover. So like when you ordered your book, that's coming in a batch of like 10 retail covers that I had ordered again, uh, because the other retail covers that I ordered uh, recently are, are, I cannot believe are already gone. And I, I gotta, I gotta distribute those after retailers in California, one, a couple people in Salem you know, that have businesses in Salem. So, and I, I gotta also start stacking up on my own stuff, whatever, when, you know, I'm vaccinated and feel like I want to go back to a con and set up a table. Yeah. All right. So. Spectacular Spider-Man 147 is published in February 1989. Editor-in-chief was Tom DeFalco and cover artist Sal Basima, written by Jerry Conway. Interiors and inks by Sal as well. Bob Sharon is the colorist. Rick Parker is a letterer, which we'll do a little bit of research on what they have also done besides Spectacular, but on another mm-hmm. day when we only have one issue to cover. And Jim Scallop was the uh, editor in... Where's my notes? Here we go. The Hobgoblin, wounded and exhausted from Drew's issue and his battle with Harry and Harry Green Goblin and Spider-Man, limps his way back to New York City while Spider-Man swings back to check up on Mary Jane and is attacked by a wind demon. Hold on, I got something to play. 60 years ago, an entire family vanished without a trace. Now, one young man gargoyle and finds his way back to the Daily Bugle where he passes out after exchanging some banter with his boss, J. Jonah Jameson. MJ and her crew at her photo shoot continue to fend themselves from the demons that are attacking them. Harry on his way home to Liz at Soho, still dresses the goblin, fights an inferno demon made of water from a fire hydrant, and Drew Robinson yep. also deals with inferno while still reminiscing about his upcoming trial with Tombstone. The Hobgoblin decides he wants unlimited power in any living space and makes a deal with the demon Nash, 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 Nash. Let's just call him the Inferno it, it, Demon. Yeah, let's call him so much easier. Okay. He makes the Inferno Demon laugh and swats him away like a spider. Ha! Huh? Spider uh-huh. is patched up at the bugle and helps the staff fight off the demons with back-to-back with J. Jonah Jameson. They stop the demons and Spidey falls down, bleeding still, passing out, unfortunately. The Hobgoblin limps to safety, unsure of why his vision is so bad. And when he rips off his goblin mask, and we see that he has been turned into a demon himself. The cover for this is fantastic. You have J. Jonah Jameson and Spider-Man just battling it out with the demons from Inferno when the bugle blows, and it's, it is truly spectacular. Indeed. I couldn't have said it better myself, even though I did. So... I think the other thing being is amazing is how much is in this issue. And it doesn't feel like anything is rushed. Each storyline picks up literally where the last issue left off, progresses them a little bit. You know, it's not like a D&D campaign or like an episode of Dragon Ball Z where it's just like, hey, it's one episode. We've moved four feet, you know. Um, everybody's moving. Everything is happening. It's all like 
ridiculous. Like you, when I think of Peter with a gargoyle, I think the '90s series where he used to talk to that gargoyle Bruce all the time. You know, and like yeah, but Bruce didn't you know try to take a bite out of him. Um, he's the, at the bugle. Uh, yeah. The the um, hobgoblin, by the way, limping himself along back to the city from wherever he fought um, Harry. Um, did we say? Did we see where they fought in Amazing? Um, I'm not sure. Give me a second. I, I, I can pull it up right here because I have. Okay. I have the so uh, this is very reminiscent to the original Hobgoblin, Roderick Kingsley, not Ned Leeds. Ned Leeds was the fall boy, uh, fall guy. Yeah. Uh, Roderick Kingsley limped himself away from Spider-Man after their first battle, saying, "Oh my God, I just feel like I just went through the ringer at the gym." And he's like holding his shoulder and he's talking, complaining about how he can barely hold on to the glider as it's like puttering along not realizing that Spider-Man is a 19, 20 year old kid with spider powers, agility and all sorts of, you know, special stuff or whatever. Yeah. Like a 50 year old dude out of shape who stumbled upon Norman's old gear. I mean, Roderick, right. King, Roderick Kingsley was a fashion designer that Mary Jane worked for. And, and Jason Philip Mackendale, who's Hobgoblin in our book here is a former mercenary who should be in like the best shape of his life, but even still has not ever, ever been able to, uh, crack the goblin formula because when mm-hmm. he killed off Ned Leeds, he did not get the goblin formula like he thought he was going to. Because again, he killed off Ned Leeds, not realizing Ned Leeds was not really the hobgoblin. But at the time, as us readers, we did think it was a retcon later on. Um, so he gets in his yep. head, you know what? Maybe I'll become a demon because that's going to work out for me so fucking well later on. <laughs> Um, we'll get to more of his demon shenanigans in the next episode because that's oh, where yeah. he fully embraces it and then there is other issues that he shows up in in Spectacular as well as w- during Acts of Vengeance he decides to go after Doctor Strange to fix his demon problem mm-hmm. um, this thing biting Peter right in the side ouch just unbelievable Seriously. and it's really funny that Jonah doesn't try to unmask Spider-Man like he's got enough respect Thank for him that he's not going to unmask him like it's Okay, so a few things. One, I thought that the whole time, because I remember any time in the cartoon he had a chance, Jonah goes straight for that mask. You know, right? And when Venom unmasks, he throws the mask down. Jonah can't get the camera to focus to focus on Spider-Man's yeah, face. Yeah, any any time. I even remember like uh, what was that that Carnage crossover? He tried doing that, and War, Mas- War Machine crushed his his press badge. You know, and, and like it's a golden opportunity. He's unconscious. Nobody here is really going to stop you with the bugle. But he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to give you a pass because you know our, our building is getting attacked by gigantic demons. Right. Um, and then the other thing that was crazy um, the whole time I'm reading this, um, which yet again, water demon, which definitely gave me that real Ghostbusters feel for the demons that you you said earlier. Um, I just was kind of reminded, especially when he's making the deal of. Uh, in DC, when they had Underworld unleashed, and they had you know villains yeah. making deal with Neron, yeah, but yeah, who was the villain on uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow last season? Yeah, exactly. And he's just making the deals, but of course, you know, he's a demon, so you can't exactly go to it. There's always got to be a catch, right? And and it's basically that. And for me, I I have read a ton of Hellblazer. I have read Hellboy. I, went, I have never read a book where a demon laughs at you and then gives you kind of what you wanted. It's just like, right. yeah, you're amusing. The weird thing is here is that he points out that, of course, so Mackendale is a mercenary. He is responsible for the deaths of the hundreds of people, possibly. I, I really right. don't know. Don't forget, he was once Jack-o'-lantern, a piece of crap. Right. Um, 
so the the inferno demon seeing how tainted and ugly his soul is is not what demons want demons want like captain marvel billy batson's souls hence why in uh underworld that's who um whose soul he really wanted everyone thought it was superman because superman was off in space on a trial at that time and Mm. they they were like oh my god they must have gotten superman superman's the most pure person ever in the dc universe no it's a 10 year old boy who turns into a full-grown man billy that's who has the most pure soul in the dc universe yes he makes mistakes and does bad things but overall he's a good kid right I mean, so, if, yeah. if you want to go by the movie origins, he's had a shitty upbringing. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, but again, like, look at, you know, we, we've seen a lot of great examples. Um, this, in this episode, the woman I did just past Leo, just spectacular pacing. I mean, look at all of that wonderful action there. Nothing feels rushed. You know, you get a real cinematic feel. And that's something I love about Sal's work is that right. it just has this great, feel like you can easily see it converted into a film and it would just almost follow the similar pattern because everything is is caught i mean even that right there spider-man chatting with jonah and he's upside down and jonah's not he's waving his fist got the cigar going and they're you know, just hammering it out like back and forth with their backs to each other. The yeah. chips are down. They need to save everyone. Jonah won't admit it, but he knows Spider-Man's there to save his butt. <laughs> exactly. And it's just – and then there's later like, oh, right, there's demons. We'll continue this later. It's just, you know – like he even chomped through his last cigar. Like, right. How funny was that? It was just – and also Robbie dealing with his own Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> you know, with the guy with the chainsaw comes again, coming after him. Jesus yeah. Christ. Uh, it was like unbelievable. And then, of course, his wife's like, you know, uh, you know, th- they just had a big fight and she comes running back out after him. And then Robbie, uh, Robbie's son, uh, Randy, and his uh, girlfriend, Amanda, show up. Um, which mm-hmm. uh, yes, Amanda, it, it, Randy has really bad luck with women. Currently dating uh, Tombstone's daughter, the Beetle. Uh, Once upon a dime, dating a white girl, which was brought up by, uh, uh, which was brought up by Joe, being like, "This is going to cause you problems in ways you don't understand, boy." Um, and he's like, "What, Dad? I thought you of all people who uh, you know would 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 understand." And he's like, "I understand. My son dating somebody not of his color is going to be a big problem for him one day." um that that uh i don't remember where that comes up but that that started that was a thing with uh, randy which was interesting for a spider-man book but they totally fine and glad that they bring you know address that kind of yeah uh, social incorrect bs you know what i mean but this is the kind of thing i miss in in and that we were talking about this uh me and leo and the other book it's just like this kind of like laxed kind of wacky creativity that I feel like a lot of the the current books don't really have lately is like, you know, this sense of like, you could have something crazy and random like this. And it's not like, Oh, Hey, look at us. We're trying to make a statement or anything. It's just part of the story. Like you're dealing with demons and hobgoblins and stuff. And then Randy Robertson is dealing with some crazy writer who's clearly losing his shit. And it tries to hit him with a chainsaw. Randy puts it down and they're like, oh my God, are you okay? And then, you know, you got this giant mob is like, all right, let's do this again. So Jim Scallop, the editor, is the one who keeps plugging in throughout the issue. The uh, go see X-Men. Go read current issues of X-Men. Happening over in X-Men. <laughs> I, I absolutely love that. And he makes a joke of like last X-Men plug because of like the barrier surrounding New York is happening right. over in X-Men right now caused by 
you know, the uh, the Inferno Demon and mm-hmm. like uh, Madeline Pryor about to sacrifice her son Cable, which is like mm-hmm. insanely fucking dark shit for a comic yeah. book. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. kill her infant child for whatever BS reasons are happening. I, I don't mm-hmm. honestly remember. It, yeah, it's a can't be power. It must be more under boob costumes. Um, totally. <laughs> and. <laughs> The uh, what what happens to Jason Philip Mackendale as he's like in like what looks like a swamp and he's like what did he do to my eyes and I'm assuming he's looking at the water or something because he just stares at us the readers in a giant splash page and the yeah yeah so he can see what happened to him I'm not entirely sure but yeah this is the uh, beginning of the transformation and you know coming up on in web we get to see Spider Man's reaction to what happened to Jason. Chris, would you recommend these books to someone like a fan, like a fan or someone not? Like, what would you, like? Would you recommend that? What the Inferno storyline or these? Well, just two no. Issues? These well, these two issues and just in general, what we've gone over so far. I don't know if we've asked that. Without a lot of context of, I mean, if they don't really know who the Green Goblin and the Hobgoblin is, probably mm-hmm. not. Right. Um, I would, I would ask them, do you know who the Green Goblin is? Yes, I've seen the movies. Okay. Well, then you're already in trouble uh, because oh, there's never been a great representation of any of that on screen. Harry and, and Norman have both been Greek goblins in the movies and they're, they're, they suck. I'm sorry, people. They just, they, they suck. Um, they just they're better out of the costumes, let's just say. <laughs> I was about to say we can all agree. I'm sure me, you and Leo can agree that few people could have played Norman Osborn better than William Defoe. Like, yeah. God, right. did he nail it? Right, right. And that absolutely great, brilliant scene in Spider-Man 2 where Harry discovers the goblin lair is so brilliant. And 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 so Danny Elfman's score of it, 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 it on the CD I have, I just bought Dreams. it, is called The Return of the Goblin. It's so awesome. You know what I mean? Nice. Like when he's like, Avenge me! He screams or whatever and Harry throws the thing through the glass or whatever. Yeah. Right? psychosis and then just leading mm-hmm. and then we were all hoping that it was going to be a big awesome thing in the third film and it wasn't he's yeah. ski mask ridiculous stupidity yeah chris less we say about it the better so <laughs> no let me ask another question then if if you were writing it and if you had a, a green goblin and a hobgoblin rematch who would you have win Okay, are we currently talking about who is currently the Hobgoblin and Green Goblin? Because the current Hobgoblin is Roderick Kingsley again, mm-hmm. um, because he killed Jason in jail. And um, the Green Goblin, I'm pretty sure, is Norman Osborn again as of recently, but he was cured of his entire madness because of his son, Kindred. So basically, it's your story, so you choose. Who would you have win? Oh my Probably God, Roderick also- Kingsley, because I've always liked the Hobgoblin's design more. I was going to say, Chris, I think that's the quietest you've been that I've been doing this show. It was like a legit pause. I was like, my God. You broke Chris. Really- <laughs> so there's what- also, so- do, you guys, do you guys know who the Goblin Knight is? Yes. Yes. He's the um, nephew of uh, Ben Urich, Phil Urich, the original mm-hmm. uh, good Green Goblin. But yeah. he, but Nick Spencer got his mitts in him and turned him bad. <laughs> did you, did you, I'm sorry. I don't know if I missed it. Did you say who you'd want to win? I'd send uh, Roderick Kingsley because I'm a big Hobgoblin fan. Ah, okay. 
yeah i always love the hobgoblins design i love the mystery of like who was the hobgoblin and stuff you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh whenever he comes back and as long as he is written well i'm fine with it mm-hmm. i don't think he's been written well very recently um yeah so getting into the final of like what continues over in web of spider-man and what drew said leading right into the next part of it like immediately it's fantastic um, the next issue is spectacular is Night of the Living Dead. Inferno comes to an explosive conclusion as Flash Thompson, Betty Brant leads, face their worst fears in a tale we just had to call Night of the Living Dead. And basically it's like Night of the Living Dead horror movie spectacular Spider-Man issue that has nothing to do with Spider-Man or the Hobgoblin. We conclude that story over in web, but that's spectacular mm-hmm. issue. Jesus fucking Christ. Is a straight-up horror movie in a comic book. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the cover alone it was just crazy, and it. it oh, it, the first issue, the first page is somebody's hand coming out of the grave. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and it's just it was nice to see that because again, I, I like. Don't get me wrong, I'm a big Spidey fan, like everybody here, but it's nice when they do horror in comics, but it's not like oh, I'm trying to do you know, I'm trying to do like. Uh, like a vertigo thing or i'm trying to do like uh it's just you're trying to mimic something it was just you're doing a dark story for spider-man and if you consider spider-man his life has been plenty dark like he's had a lot of of very dark horror stories and it's just that's why i choose this run i mean god that night of living dead issue night of living ned and then like we know what's coming up with the lobo brothers jesus christ the Mm -hmm. first like four pages of that lobo issue you know mm-hmm. what I mean? The cover is so misleading because it has the Lobo brothers and like their wolf forms and Jonah like torn up and bleeding and Spider-Man cowering trying to save them. And it's like when you find out what's really going on, you're just like, oh, OK, but still terrifying. And then we yeah. get to later on with JMD Mateus and the child within. Holy fuck. We're going to get into like yeah. the deepest, darkest shit on this podcast that people are going to w- not want to listen to. And it's going to yeah. be covered because that's yeah. what was written. Oh, believe me, if, if I'm if if I'm helping you cover that or if I'm just I'm even if it's just me silently just observing, I'm going to be drinking because it is very intense. JM will um, come know. on the podcast for that when uh, when we get to it. And we talked about it on Radio of Horror. I, I was point blank to the question, like, what was with this story? What were you doing? You know, this mm-hmm. is the darkest Spidey ever gets, in my opinion. Besides, there, yeah, there's Spider-Man Dark Reign where Mary Jade has, like, cancer-ridden body or whatever because of his spider spunk and stupidity like mm-hmm. that. But this was a thousand times worse. And that's also a good time to get into um, – hopefully we get – I don't know when we'll get there, but mm-hmm. it, it – Definitely will be after Falcon Winter Soldier is over because uh, Vermin's origin is tied to Baron Zemo. That is true. And speaking of Baron Zemo, I just want to say, because I've said this to people that, and I apologize if this is spoiling it for any of our listeners, but the scene of Zemo in a turtleneck kind of fist bumping it in the club (laughs) is literally my new favorite MCU thing. I I saw that and I said, there is an MCU costume. I can yeah. do, and it's just so accurately me because that is me. Anytime I'm on the dance floor, I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, bringing up Zemo is not irrelevant to Spider-Man because everyone needs to go buy. Kelly and I talked about it last week very briefly. Nonstop Spider-Man number one was so much goddamn fun, and the villain revealed at the end of the issue is Baron Zemo. He is there responsible for this new drug that is turning people into like hyperactive. Um, What's that? Uh, what's that Jason Statham movie where he can't stop? Uh, crank, crank. It's a crank drug, and people are dying from it. And Zemo is behind it. So he never tries a Nazi. <laughs> You're absolutely correct. 
Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, of course, on uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he's not a Nazi. He is a Sokovian freedom fighter who apparently is also very rich and a baron. <laughs> <laughs> such impeccable fashion I was like, wait too. what he's still rich and then he like sees all his assets in germany and why does he put his mask on when he uh goes into battle I mean, that, why does why does fucking will smith wear the mask for five seconds in suicide squad because they need him to do it because it's the fucking comic book character but will smith's too big of a fucking star to wear that mask the entire movie you know, and I don't know who this actor is who's playing Zemo very well. It's not clicking in my brain, and I might have seen him stuff before, but it's mm-hmm. the same goddamn thing. Put the fucking mask on or don't be the character. Hey, put the fucking blue makeup on or don't play Mystique. So, same so, attitude. So I thought they brought Will Smith on to uh, to uh, name out the title. Like, what are we, some kind of suicide squad? I, mm-hmm. No, they brought Will Smith on because they wanted a pumped up cast. Of <laughs> it was a joke, Chris. It was a joke. And, and it so, uh, Chris, Chris, your blood pressure, man. Calm down. It's okay. All right, all right. All right. But the reservation was spectacular Spider-Man. The ads in the issue, by the way, I thought were fantastic. At the back of the uh, comic book is oh the bubble, bubble Dragon ad. I absolutely adore this thing. If you've ever yeah. played it before, your dragons that spewed out bubbles. It's cute. <laughs> bubble dragons? I might have missed oh, that. Oh, that's it. We're done. <laughs> Rob, I'm calling it. I'm calling it. We're done. He just explained. Tune in next week as we cover Spectacular Spider-Man 148 and Web of Spider-Man number 48, ending our coverage of Inferno. And then there's a break before we have to deal with the Clone Saga. Oh, God. But Zach Dusty from Clone Saga Podcast and Kelly's co-host on Spectacular Spider-Girl will be on the show with us. Oh, my God. I'm not ready to relive that again. But we, we'll do it. Zach and I got it all. He 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 is way more knowledgeable of the Clone Saga than we are. We have a ton of Spectacular issues we have to cover from, like... Day, from days long ago that Frank Miller wrote, by the way, and this is Frank Miller's first writing assignment at Marvel, but we're not covering them in detail. We're just briefly going over them in a, this is what happened that led to this point in the comic book that we're covering today, mm-hmm. kind of thing, because it needs some context because of the character carry-on. So Sounds great. And by the way, we get back to the Glenn clone, too. So, Well, as uh, Anthony Mackie would say in Winter Soldier, alright guys, that's it. Cut the check. Well, yes. you, you know, we, we started this episode talking about clones and ended talking about clones. Yes, uh, that was uh, I thought that was funny. By the way, the uh, I thought the uh, I, I have uh, I have that issue you guys covered signed by Graham Nolan, who is the co-creator of Bane. Yes, he is. And I've met yes, him. And that was written by great. Also great. Yeah. Very cool. Yes, uh, which is funny that you guys are covering that because uh, Kingpin right now is trying to get the Tablet of Life to bring Vanessa Fisk back to life. Not the Tablet of Life. Oh, no. Uh, no, he's trying to get the ta- all the tablets from... Just look up all these tablets. It goes all the way back to Stan Lee and John Romita Jr. Sorry, John Romita Sr.'s Senior. run on Spider-Man involving mm-hmm. the tablet that Kingpin is currently trying to find in order to bring Vanessa and his son Richard back to life. She died of cancer. He died of just his stupidity being the rose. Um, not even joking. Yeah, that's why my face can't move right now. I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a whole thing. But Vanessa Fisk has been dead for quite some time. So think of it kind of like the Spider-Verse movie, but he's not going to go to Pretty other much. dimensions to try and find Vanessa and a version of his son to love him. It's really me. Just come over here and love me. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, drink. He's actually going to use magic to bring his wife back to life. Ben Riley, when he was the jackal, brought Vanessa back to life. And he's like, Vanessa, 
come here, and then snapped her neck and killed her and said, that's not my wife, that's a clone. Yep, that sounds like Wilson Fisk. Yep, no, nope, you doctors want to and clones. That's a fifth bath. So if anyone wants to, you can find previous episodes up on Google Play. I got a notification for, so it's on the streaming services, people. Uh, you can find me on Chris DSAV on Twitter. And if you'd like to order a copy of Vlada, go to Vlada A Dracula Tale on Facebook. I might do that. I might. Ooh. Yeah, maybe. Oh, maybe. We put up a new nude cover of Vlada, if that interests you. Oh, uh, oh, oh, baby. Oh, baby. That's why we have that mature label, Leo. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> you know, say things like nude. I'm Drew Malo. Find me. Love me. Tell me how, how bad I'm doing. All that stuff. Okay. And uh, for me, just Google Leo Pond. You'll find a bunch of stuff. We'll catch you guys later. Bye. Catch you later. Whip, whip.